Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Washington, D.C. Acknowledge me. Chris Russell on the Team 980. I'm not trying to be a jerk. All right, a good Tuesday afternoon, everybody. Nice to have you with us back from a three-day weekend. Doesn't really feel like I took as much time off as I should have. It was a big work weekend for side jobs and to get ahead on draft and free agency prep because uh, this weekend is going to be shot to H-E double hockey sticks, baby. Uh, We are with you today and tomorrow, but only today and tomorrow, uh, on this particular show because off to Wehio on Thursday. Uh, Ty Guy has a little surgery. Uh, I guess it's not a little surgery, but it's not a major, major surgery. You get the whole deal. Uh, So we will be out Thursday and Friday. Matt, um, you will be here. I'll be here, yep. And do you know who's going to be here I can find that information okay. out in just a I second. I have not checked. I have not checked. So it'll be chicken surprise because I think Hoffman's out all week as well. So I think the DOC, who is in for Hoffman today, because I know this because DOC is already here way, 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 way early, chopping it up in the bullpen, making fun of me, uh, may, you know, ripping everybody, uh, which is what, you know, the, the good doctor likes to do. I know he's already in for Hoffman today. I don't know if that's uh, the rest of the week. We'll figure it out. We'll sort it out. Either way, you'll be covered, and maybe it'll be a good break for you. You won't have to listen to me whine and cry. Um, hope everybody. Real quick, I actually just figured out who it is. Oh, uh, Baby Russell. Oh no, no. Both no, no, no. Thursday and Friday, we are going to have uh, Baby Russell. No, 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 no. no, no, no. He's only allowed on at two thirty-six in the morning. Beep beep. Oh, the L train, huh? Beep, beep. Hmm. Baby Russell. Oh, I thought you were talking about Paulie was taking over. That would be funny. I didn't get the bit. My bad. I thought you were saying because you were using a Paulie sound drop, I would... I just heard the voice, and I immediately, my ears started ringing, so I wasn't paying attention to the message. Boy, so, I look like an ass right now. <laughs> so, so the L train is going to take over uh, on, when, uh, on Thursday and Friday uh, for uh, the old uh, rooster, and he'll be here with uh, Matt. So we'll have you covered. Uh, don't you dare worry. I got something 
uh, for Linnell at, at some point. I don't know if we're doing the show together tomorrow or not. Uh, I got something for Linnell because he keeps screaming about fit and fit and fit and fit. And if you don't fit, the glove must have quit and all this stuff. I got something for him. Don't let me forget that. Uh, all right. So, anyway, hope you guys had a good three-day weekend. Hope it was productive. Hope you got a little R&R. Uh, hope uh, everything turned out. Uh, being on a diet sucks. Uh, I could not eat anything that I wanted to eat. I had to work out at the gym uh, every day except for Saturday, and that's because the gym that I go to, in uh, like which is run by Loudoun County, decided to close on Friday night for all day Saturday – all day Saturday for the one inch of snow that we got. How do you like them apples? Remember when we were last year on Friday, all the meteorologists, meteorologist Chief Kevin Sheehan. Maybe that's why Doug Birdie Cameron. didn't call in because Birdie knew that it was just going to blow over. Here's the deal. I, I, I had him go back and listen. And he's like, yeah, you should have called me. I said, well, like, he, he's more of an Anne Arundel County guy. I mean, that's not going to help those of us on the right side of the aisle, meaning in Virginia, IA, right? Um, so, whatever. Um, here's the deal. I went to bed late Friday night. I think I fell asleep. 1130, somewhere in that range. Woke up at, like, 2 in the morning, and it was snowing. But... They were promising, I don't know, between minimum two, three inches to like six or seven inches, depending on where you lived. And I, I, I don't know where parts far west got. I don't know. But all I know is Loudoun County got maybe an inch. I think it was like 0 0.9 inches. And D.C. and Fairfax County and Alexandria and all that got... Like, basically a dusting. You didn't get it. Uh, hardly anything, right? It was real depressing. Cause, yeah. So my family got a dog right. who's still a little puppy, and I was very excited to see him in the first heavy snow of the season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and when I woke up and nada. there was an inch, maybe. It maybe. was just a dusting of right. snow. I was, very, I was very disappointed. Did the dog enjoy any of it or no? He wasn't a fan of the cold, to be honest. Really? I understand. Hmm. You, know what, you, know, you know what's weird? Sometimes dogs are not a fan. Uh, are not fans of cold and wet, but uh, or I should say wet, meaning rain and like, uh, you know, wet ground from rain, but they like snow and they like, you know, it just, it really depends on, you know, kind of the, the, the makeup, if you will. I will say it was also kind of icy dog. by the time that the morning came yeah, around that, that it, that might've been part yeah. of it. I didn't go out until, you know, I was just, I was pissed quite honestly that my gym you know, it, Loudoun County does this all the time. Loudoun County, because it's so far expansive west, like, they'll close school at 7 or 8 o'clock the night before, before they even know what actually is going to happen. It's like, hey, no need to go, no need to worry. Sleep in, everybody. Have another day off. Why? Because we're being told that it's supposed to snow. We don't know if it's going to snow. We don't know if it's going to be as bad. We're just going to give everybody the day off and act like we don't have enough days off to begin with. Weird. Weird. 
Weird, you people. Now, supposedly Doug Cameron at about 11 o'clock, I, I, I did see this on his Twitter, um, he, he said he screwed up and he did adjust his projection total at about 11 o'clock or so on Friday night. By that point, you know, I mean, everybody had kind of just, okay, th- this is happening. Everybody's going to get a couple of inches. So I missed that. So By that point, it's already supposed to have started. So if you don't yeah. have your shovel yet, then you're in trouble. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it, like the projections were, you know, I, I would say around midnight. Again, give or take where you live, whatever. He said he did it on the 11 o'clock news. I, I take his word for it. I mean, Doug, I don't know Doug, but he seems like a pretty honorable guy. He was like, I, I'm like, he said on his tweet, I don't want to misquote him, that he was disappointed in himself, you know, for, for botching it. Now, listen, we all get stuff wrong. I, I mean, if I was 100% right on picks, I, I wouldn't be doing this show. I'd be in Vegas with the Sharks making a lot more money than I'm making now. Okay? Now, the Sharks don't know anything either. And neither do the odds makers, and neither neither does the public. You know, like when people run with that narrative that the public money is coming in on fill in the blank. Oh, go screw. The public knows nothing. 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 Okay? But I wouldn't be here if I was 100% right. So I'm not going to kill Doug Cameron or any other meteorologist. I was just disappointed Saturday morning when I woke up to find that there was nothing. I was happy that I didn't have to shovel or deal with ice. I was not happy that my gym decided to close the entire damn day. And you didn't have any snow to shovel to work out. Right, right, exactly. So, I mean, I did walk and whatever, but I mean, like, please don't close the entire day. Please don't close the entire. That's my only point. All right. Just wanted to get that all out. Now, sports. It was three days, maybe four, where there was very, 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 very little commander stuff to talk about or news. After a flurry of news the last couple of weeks, all the way up until Thursday, there was hardly nothing. There was hardly nothing. Now, everybody on Twitter is, of course, really getting full bore into Drake May, Jaden Daniels, Caleb Williams, all that. I mean, with the cut-ups and the commentary and what they should do and all that stuff. But from the team, there was really nothing until this morning, quite honestly, when they announced that they had hired an assistant special teams coach, which they didn't have on uh, when, when they announced the full staff on Thursday, which was weird, right? Because they announced that it was like the full official staff. And then today they, they, they added an assistant special teams coach, which I thought was kind of weird because Larry Izzo was just listed by himself. Usually special teams, of course, because they touch so much part of the roster, they have an assistant. Makes sense, right? Uh, so today they named a special teams coach, uh, an assistant special teams coach to Larry Izzo named John Glenn. Uh, he was with Seattle as their linebackers coach for the last five years. So, I don't know. I mean, they hired Ken Norton. They have Ryan Kerrigan as an assistant linebackers coach. Now they have the former Seahawks linebackers coach, who, you know, did a 
pretty good job. I mean, it helps to have Bobby Wagner outside of one year. And by the way, Bobby Wagner is a free agent. And you might want to look down that road in terms of trying to figure out who the hell is going to be the first adequate Mike linebacker around here since London Fletcher retired. But John Glenn has been the linebackers coach for the Seahawks, and now he comes across as the assistant special teams coach to Larry Izzo. So obviously they were on the same staff together. He goes from linebackers to special teams. Now you work with a lot of linebackers, so maybe he'll be able to contribute for the linebackers as well with Norton and, again, Kerrigan. Um, So who knows how that's going to work out. But interesting, uh, to say the least, uh, that they get – A guy going from, again, linebackers coach to assistant special teams coach. Why? Because Mike McDonald has gone in there and basically said, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. Uh, We're going to move on from a bunch of you guys, from Pete Carroll's staff, and we're going to create our own staff, which is, by and large, what Dan Quinn has done. Now, Dan Quinn did keep some members, Tavita Pritchard, Bobby Ingram, uh, Ryan Kerrigan, uh, and I think that's it but I would have to double check uh, the list. So the commanders have a new special teams coach, but that's really it in terms of the news, right, for the commanders. That's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. One of the things that I want about this administration, coaching and general manager Adam Peters, please say nothing. Please. Like Dan Quinn, nice guy, really fun to talk to. Had him on the show. Kevin had him on the show on Friday. Fine. They were out at the Georgetown game on Friday night. Adam Peters and Dan Quinn got it. Please say as little as possible. Unless you are, you know, when you're required to talk, i.e. at the Combine next week, they'll, you know, one of them, if not both of them, will probably speak. And then we won't hear probably from them until... I guess the coaches' breakfast at the owners' meetings in late March. Then you'll hear from Dan Quinn. And then they'll probably have a pre-draft press conference. And then, you know, of course, as OTAs kick in, you'll hear from them a little bit more regularly. But please don't talk when you don't have to talk, number one. Number two, don't say anywhere near as much and don't be anywhere near as revealing as Ron Rivera was. Now, I know that hurts us in the media, and therefore it hurts you. But think about the difference between Dan Quinn did a bunch of interviews, me, Sheehan, Hoffman, all within a week of each other, a bunch of TV interviews. What did Dan Quinn, how, how many headlines did Dan Quinn make? I, there weren't many. And, and we tried, right? We, we all tried different methods, different ways of asking. I mean, there just wasn't anything there. He said a lot without saying a lot. Remember last year when Ron Rivera leaked to his buddy, Jonathan Jones of CBSSports.com, who we knew from Charlotte, even though it was sources, we all knew where it was coming from. Remember when Ron Rivera, less than a week after the season ended, was running around saying, Sam Howell is QB1. Did you get Dan Quinn? To say anything remotely on the record? Did you get Cliff Kingsbury to say anything? Did you get Adam Peters? No. Again, less is better. Less news 
is better. Now, this doesn't mean that they're not going to be news, and this doesn't mean that they're not going to be heavy in free agency. I wrote about uh, uh, all weekend, I wrote uh, position-by-position capsules in free agency for 12 different position groups, offense and defense for Rick Snyder's uh, Command Post magazines, available via subscription. Some positions I was like, man, you know, like, I just don't know what they're going to do here because I don't think they're going to be active there. And some positions I was like, well, they really need to go heavy. They will go heavy. I don't know if it'll be one big splash and a couple of nickel and dimers or if it'll be two or three medium, moderately high splash. I I don't know. There's plenty of options and there's plenty of needs. But the less we know, the better. The more guessing we do, the better. The less revealing they are, the better. Again, I said a year plus ago, when we found out that Sam Howell was automatically going to be anointed QB1 less than a week after the season, and we all, I, I, many, suspected it was Ron that was leaking that because, duh, we all said, or many of us said, bad idea. Bad idea to be that revealing. You ruined your leverage. Here, this administration so far, so far, is talking and saying things on the record without revealing too much or anything much at all. Hey, Joe Witt Jr., what type of defense are you going to run? Doesn't matter if it's 4-3-3-4. You, you can think based on this that we're going to run this. I got another thing coming for you. Da, 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 da. Said a lot without saying anything, without giving you the answer. Right? I mean, no offense if it was Ron. Ron would have been like, oh, we're going to run. And I, I like Ron. Oh, we're going to run the 4-3 wide. Nine, blah, 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 blah. And we're going to ignore linebackers. Right? So, good. A good commander's free weekend, welcome. Because what you don't want is headlines and controversy. That's what you don't want. Now, a bunch of people that I saw, oh, man, what do we do on Sunday? Oh, gosh, like first Sunday without football in six months. Like, what do we do? I mean, people, like, have a life outside of football. I love football. I have a life outside of football. I didn't think about football once on Sunday. I mean, I did because I had to write. But, I mean, I I wasn't sitting there at 1 o'clock or 4 o'clock or 8 o'clock or whatever o'clock or rock around the clock and going, oh, my God, I I don't know what to do with myself. Football's not here. I thought about other things. I thought about a big Caps win on Saturday night in Montreal. Ironically enough, without Alex Ovechkin scoring. Finally ended his scoring streak. Exactly. And they finally ended their losing streak because other guys contributed. TJ Oshie, goal number 300. Uh, Alexi Protoss with the game-winning or go-ahead goal. I thought about the Nats. Sale, no sale, to sale, no sale, no sale, sale, wholesale, half a sale, 50% off sale. When are we going to – I thought about the Nats. I thought about – the Daytona 500 getting banged and rescheduled for Monday afternoon, which I watched that. I thought about 
The NBA All-Star Weekend. There was one good part about All-Star Weekend. I'll have that for you coming up. And that was it. The rest of it was just... I mean, just blah. So it was a good weekend to not have any Commander's controversies, to not have any Commander's juicy headlines, and nothing revealed, and no football, and to be able to concentrate on some other things. I watched a bunch of hockey. I know not everybody is like me, but I'm smarter than the average bear. And smarter than 99% of Americans. I was watching the stadium series, baby. Saturday night and Sunday afternoon. And the Caps in Montreal on Saturday night. What were you doing this weekend without football? That's one of the things we want to ask you. 301-230-0980. Is your life the same? Did you make it? Do we need the Super Bowl on President's Day weekend so that we all have the built-in Monday... And one more week of football. Or were you fine without it? I was fine without it. It doesn't mean that I don't love football. I was fine. I needed a break. What were you doing? What were you thinking? One o'clock on Sunday. Were you missing football? Or were you okay? Did you need a break to recharge the batteries? 301-230-0980. 301-230-0980. We talk a lot of football on this show. We're going to continue to talk a lot of football on this show because there's a lot of content and there's a lot of things out there, right, that doesn't necessarily and only have to do with the commanders. But, of course, we base it off the commanders, including a draft class ranking from last year that, not surprisingly, is not very kind to Washington. We'll have the details on that coming up. With you on a Tuesday, back to work style after the three-day weekend. 301-230-0980 on the Ace Law listener lines. In a wreck, Ace Law. Help you get a check. Call them at 8888-ACE-LAW. It is the Rooster along with Matty Ice on the other side and you. Let's hear from you next on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. 
Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Two weeks away, baby. The old rooster's going to see the Eagles for the last time. I think. In their existence. And quite possibly in my life. Favorite band of all time, Hotel California there, in case you don't recognize it. I'm sleeping under a rock if you don't recognize that tune, but whatever. United Center in Chicago cannot wait. Coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, It's their second to last scheduled domestic U.S. concert. They added over the weekend or over the last week a bunch of international shows. Uh, So that, you know, I mean. You've been saying that you need a vacation. Well, yes. We're going to send you over to Germany to go watch Eagles one last time? No, no. I don't even have a passport. I can't even find my passport. It expired just like my driver's license. I didn't keep my passport in my wallet, though. That's a problem. I can't find my passport so I can get it renewed. So I can't travel internationally. So I'm kind of stuck domestically. I, maybe I can get a new one without having the old one. I don't know. I haven't looked at it. It's far. more difficult, but yes. Yeah. Uh, I got to figure that out. Either way, um, I did get I did get Kenny Chesney and Zach Brown band tickets last night. I took advantage of the sale that the commanders and FedEx field was having, uh, you know, like they gave you $25 off, off of the absurd, ridiculous, insane, just incredulous nonstop service fees that they charge you for every ticket, like $35 a ticket uh, or $30 a ticket or whatever it was uh, for service fees that just simply do not exist. It's just a way to, again, kill people and make people spend more money that they shouldn't have to spend, but whatever. I did I did buy that. I did buy that. Because I got to go see those guys, because I'm into both of those guys. And I've seen them both live several times. Uh, you know, and I, to see Zach Brown Band and Kenny Chesney together on the same night, I'm in. Memorial Day weekend, Saturday, guess who's getting loaded that night, baby? Woo! Hmm. The old rooster be stumbling out of FedEx Field. Not the first time that probably has happened. Anyway. Beep beep. <laughs> now, see, if you asked if you asked the the L train who Kenny Chesney or Zach Brown banded, he would have no file. All right. Let's get to this. Um, so again, we gave you a little bit of news and nuggets, if you will, on the commanders in what was a relatively uh dry weekend for them. We mentioned, we mentioned the national sale or non-sale. So apparently, uh, Mark Lerner officially told the Washington Post, "Hey, we're not, we're not going to sell the team." Now, I listen. If you think that there's no chance 
that they could sell the team at any point, you're crazy. If the Masson deal gets worked out and they get all their money, and it's far beyond me and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time, you know, wasting your time, they could sell if the market develops, you know, like the Orioles apparently are going to go for about $1.8 billion. If somebody came in and said, here, here's $2.3 billion for the Nationals, right? Because it's Washington, D.C., it's not Baltimore, we got the Masson thing, you know, whatever. I'm pretty sure the Nationals would sell. But it's like when you put your house on the market and it just sits there and it sits there. And it sits there, and it sits there, and it sits there. And if it sat there for a year and a half for two years, guess what people do sometimes? They pull it off the market because it's a bad look that nobody wants to buy your team or nobody wants to buy your house. So nobody should have been shocked by this. The question becomes is what will it take to get the team away from the learners? And some people, you know... um, Some people are like, oh, this is a good thing. I guess if you sort of value some level of stability, it's better than just dangling. But let's be honest. The learners have cared about nothing over the last four-plus years, nothing but cutting costs and not spending money as much as they possibly can. So this is not a good thing if you are about spending money to quickly get back into contention. Now, I understand they have all sorts of hotshot prospects, James Wood and, uh, you know, Hassel and and obviously Dylan Cruz will be at some point, so on and so forth. I got it. And I get that they spent, the, you know, $10 million or $11 million cumulatively on Gallo and a couple of other uh, you know, they signed Zach Davies to a, uh, a non-major uh, league deal over the weekend, which might work out for them. This is not a good thing. If you want an ownership group that is willing to be aggressive, they are far from aggressive. They are the opposite of aggressive. They are, hey, it's early February, mid-February. Let's go shopping at the dollar store. That's what they are. So if, if if that's good, if you're fine with that, be fine with it. I would say the likelihood is in the first half of the season, assuming that we don't see, again, Wood and some of the you know big – and I know you have C.J. Abrams, got it. You're going to see crowds of 10,000 people. This is not a baseball town even when they are spending money, even when they are winning divisions, even when they are trying to win. This is not a good baseball town, in my opinion. There's plenty of evidence for that. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't a lot of good baseball fans and a lot of interest, but what I'm saying is to the casual observer – to the casual fan, to the casual DCite, 
it wasn't when they were spending money, and that's probably what they're looking at too. Hey, what guarantee do we have if we spend money and if we increase the budget back to 180, 190, 200 million dollars that people are going to flock to the ballpark? And the answer to that, quite honestly, based on the last time, is probably not a lot of reason for optimism to think that they would. So, so that's kind of where the learners are. Is this a good thing or is this a bad thing for the Nationals? An argument can be made on both sides. We'll ask you at 301-230-0980 plus Anthony Rendon making some dumbass comments over the weekend. We'll give you those and more. 301-230-0980. Let's do the trending alert and then we'll get back to it on the other side. All right, so again, we told you at the top of the show, the Commanders, uh, we thought they had finalized their coaching staff, or at least that's the way it was presented last Thursday. Uh -uh. Today, they've added John Glenn as their new assistant special teams coach. He comes across from the Seattle Seahawks, where he was the linebackers coach for Pete Carroll uh, and the Hawks from 2018 through 2023, as in last year. He's entering his 13th year. As an NFL coach, Seattle, the only franchise he's ever known. Uh, of course, he did work with Ken Norton Jr. Uh, when Norton was there. And Bobby Wagner, who returned to Seattle, who, again, coincidentally, happens to be a free agent this year. And the commanders, boy, do they ever need a Mike linebacker. Ryan Rollins, remember him? He was an up-and-coming defensive addition off the bench, part of the Chris Paul uh, trade with the Golden State Warriors. Well, he was released suddenly out of nowhere a couple of weeks ago by the Wizards. All sorts of reports about some illicit activities, let's call it that. Well, apparently that's been cleared up because he signed a two-way contract with the Milwaukee Bucks, who desperately need all the defensive help they can get. The Caps back home tonight. After a win in Montreal, they'll take on Josh Harris's owned New Jersey Devils. Seven o'clock, the puck drop. One oh six seven, the fan and the cat and the uh, and Odyssey, uh, the Odyssey app, I should say, and the Caps Radio Network, and that's what's trending. Oh, a little ZBB. Can't wait for that show. I mean, what a show. Kenny Chesney and Zach Brown, man, on the same night at FedEx Field, Memorial Day weekend. There was one Memorial Day weekend where I went actually to FedEx Field to see Kenny Chesney. I think I took my daughter. It was freezing. It was like 40 degrees. It was crazy. I was like, oh, it's going to be 75 Nice, shorts weather. You know, not that I really parade around in shorts when you look like me. You know, you try and cover up as much as possible. But, you know, nice summer weather, early summer weather. It was like 40 degrees. I was like, damn, we were, like, so cold. So cold. Uh, it is going to be, hopefully, much warmer uh, for that Memorial Day weekend concert. Already looking forward uh, to a spring and summer of fun uh, coming up here. Um, and hopefully you will be able to have some fun as well. Life is short. I got to start doing more things instead of working all the time. Uh, so looking forward uh, to that. We, we, we ended the last segment with the news that came out over the weekend. That was, again, expected. The Lerner family uh, is not going to sell the Nationals, at least for now, quote to the Washington Post, no, 
we have determined, um, our family has determined, this is according to Mark Lerner, that we are not going to sell the team and that the family came to the decision a while ago. There's one and only one reason why they're not selling the team. They can't get the price that they want. It's not that they have no interest in selling the team. It's not that they don't want to divest the team. It's not that they're committed to winning. Make no mistake about it here. I don't know the learners very well. I mean, I've you know met you know Mark and and the late Ted Lerner. You know, I met him once, maybe twice. I've met Mark a couple of times. I, I ran into Mark when uh, you know when I was at the Josh Harris thing in September. You know, nice guy, you know, nice guy. Have nothing against him personally. You know, just from a Nationals perspective, I, I, you know, like them to spend a little bit more money than just, again, at the dollar bargain. You know, like that's where they're shopping. I thought they would be in on like a guy like Blake Snell. Because nobody has signed him. He's got a couple of offers elsewhere. Or uh, Ryu from, uh, I think it's Ryu, uh, from the, the Dodgers. I thought they would be in on one of those guys. They ain't in on anybody. I mean, they did sign Zach Davies, which I do think will pay out, uh, pay off for them if he can stay healthy. Our guys from uh, uh, Talk Nats at Talk Nats on Twitter, great, great feed. Uh, they have tons of Nationals coverage. Go and follow them uh, if you're not already doing so. Uh, they they were on this. Davies has pitched really well at Nationals Park. So I mean, I can't say they've done nothing, but they've done nothing. Essentially, we all know that they could do a lot more. They don't want to do more. Why? Because, again, four or five years ago, with the exception of playoff games, you know, there were crowds. I remember in the World Series year of 2019, Labor Day weekend, against the Mets, the Nationals were hard charging. They were like a game out of first place. There was 23,000 people on Labor Day. You know, like, one of the reasons I think Anthony Rendon left here, I think, is because he was already miserable, but I remember him calling out the crowd several times, like, hey, you know, we need you guys to come. I need you so I can get paid my contract. And, well, you see what that happened. We'll get to Rendon in a little bit. Again, just because they announce that they're not going to sell the team doesn't mean that if Ted or if some other owner, and I guess Rubenstein buying the Orioles obviously takes away one potential, is, you know, if somebody offers them, again, 2.3, 2.4, 2.5, I guarantee you they would sell. I almost guarantee it. I mean, it it, it just is, is like a cosmetic thing. Again, think about it from this respect. If you had a house to sell on the real estate market and it did not sell for a year and a half, two years, you have two options. Either you can let it languish there and keep slashing the price with the hopes that somebody buys it and puts it, or you can take it off the market. That's exactly what the learners did. They took it off the market because nobody was willing to pay the price that they wanted. So it's a bad look to just have it lay. Whoa, we're we're taking back the team. We're notice how, notice how he said, 
Nothing has really changed. We've just decided that it's not the time or place for it. We're very happy owning the team and bringing us back a ring one day. Okay, so that's good to hear. We're very happy owning the team and bringing us back a ring one day. But where in that statement does it say, hey, we're going to make a significant financial investment in the payroll so that we can get back to winning a ring one day? They're like, yeah, not this year. Maybe next year. Maybe. If we still own the team. If we get our money from Masson and Major League Baseball and the deal, again, with David Rubenstein uh, and, and all of that, right? They're not saying, hey, we're staying around, we're recommitting, we're putting in a heavy... No, 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 no. They're saying, yeah, we're happy here. We'd like to bring a ring one day back to Washington like we did in 2019 and kudos and salute. And unfortunately, they did not get to reap the rewards of that because of COVID. I got it. That's a tough, crappy blow. But they're not, hey, we're like I've heard and I've read quotes over the weekend that, oh, Mike Rizzo can do whatever he wants. Mike Rizzo has the green light. Mike Rizzo knows that. I'm sure Mike Rizzo has the green light to spend some money. But what kind of green light? Is it a green light to not increase the budget by 20%? I I don't know. I mean, just because somebody tells you you have the green light, like, for instance, when you're driving, right? Light turns green. You don't have... Or you shouldn't, if you're if you have any brains, you shouldn't then floor the gas pedal and go through the intersection, you know, zero to seventy-five in three seconds. Right? Just because it's green and you can now go doesn't mean you should go and floor it without trepidation. So again, the proof is in the pudding, right? The Mike Rizzo. Didn't didn't spend a whole lot of money this offseason. Is that because Mike Rizzo thinks this team is ready to win? Ready to compete as currently constituted? Or is it because Mike Rizzo was probably told, hey, spend, but spend very responsibly. And if we're in contention at the trade deadline, maybe we'll consider something different. That's what I believe he was told. I don't know that, but that's what I believe he was told. It's not, hey, do whatever you want. Spent, because otherwise, why wouldn't you bring in a guy like Blake Snell? Right? I mean, you desperately need starting pitching. Why wouldn't you bring in Blake Snell? I mean, like, there, there's lots of reasons why I would be cautious about Blake Snell. He's never been a high innings volume guy. They're... But but Blake Snell, I mean, it, it it undoubtedly Blake Snell is a super talented dude, right? But yet, over the weekend, I mean, there's no mention of the Nationals. And again, I thought that would be like somebody that maybe they would get in on late when the price went down. I mean, the Yankees apparently offered him $150 million over six years. Now, I wouldn't do that. But now it's a different world, right? Now it's February 20th. 
pitchers and catchers have already been there for a week. I mean, Blake Snell is awesome when he's going past the fifth inning. But, and maybe Blake Snell is not the example that I'm looking for, but I'm just kind of throwing it out there that Mike Rizzo, I I strongly feel like Mike Rizzo can't go out and get Blake Snell, even at this point where the price might be like doable on a one-year deal or a two-year deal or something like that. That's the point. All right, 148, Team 980, and the Odyssey app, 301-230-0980, 301-230-0980 on the Ace Law listener lines. We'll get maybe more back into the Nationals uh, as we go along here. Coming up next, I want to sw- I don't want to switch it up. When we don't have big commanders news, I want to kind of shine the light on some other things. NBA All-Star Weekend was a fill-in-the-blank. For those of you that watched the stuff on Friday night, I don't know why you would do that. For those of you that watched NBA All-Star Saturday night, there was one cool thing, maybe two cool things, and that's about it. And then I watched the fourth quarter of Sunday night's All-Star game, and I wish I hadn't. But NBA All-Star Weekend was what? Fill in the blank. Because there's a lot of NBA fans out there and a lot of old school NBA fans. So I'm curious what you think. 301-230-0980 on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Good to have you with us right here on a Tuesday, Back to Work Tuesday, in the nation's capital and beyond. Hope you guys had a good weekend. We kind of bounced a little bit between the commander's stuff, non-stuff, how refreshing that is, new special teams, assistant coach uh, coming over from Seattle, what that could mean, Bobby Wagner, so on and so forth. And then on to the Nationals. We just touched on that. Again, think about it like putting your house on the market, any market, any neighborhood, any type house. And nobody, nobody makes a reasonable bid. Nobody comes even close to your listing price. And it just languishes for a year and a half, almost two years. And then you say, well, I could just let it sit there and rot. I could dramatically slash the price. Don't want to do that. Or I could take it off the market and somehow repurpose it, redo, and maybe re-put it on the market at a whatever. Think about it like that from a Nationals perspective. Again, somebody with cash or big money or big investment will get the Nationals if if they make an offer, whether Mark Lerner tells the Post they're on the market or not. Whatever he says is just hogwash. Doesn't matter. But, again, they're not off the market because – the Nationals and the Learners are recommitting to spending big-time money to build a championship product here. That is not what the reality is. Right now, maybe a year from maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't think this is going to be like a Padre situation from four or five years ago where they sink a ton of money into Eric Hosmer uh, and then... Manny Machado, they bring him over and, of course, go out and swing the big stick and get the big trade for Juan Soto. Uh, and, 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 and you know, they, they trade for Blake Snell, who we were just talking about. By the way, Blake Snell, forgot to mention this, he, is, he was the Cy Young. Now, listen, Blake Snell wants too much money. 
for what he gives you, even though he was very good last year. There's a lot of concerns there. So, I'm not again, I'm not killing the Nationals for that. But I, I was just kind of hoping, like, at some point this offseason – they might actually go out and get a fairly big name late in the process that they could get on a one-year or maybe a two-year deal because the market was so depressed and because it was late and they were anxious. But it's hard to do that when you're not expected to win more than 70-ish games. You know, last year they got to, what, 71, I think it was? I mean, this year they're, again, the Pakoda projections, they're expected, you know, projected to lose 104 games. Okay, it doesn't mean it's going to happen. But, I mean, it's hard for a guy like Blake Snell or, or, or somebody like that who doesn't have a home to accept a very financially friendly deal for the team and to go to a team that has no shot of winning. No shot of winning. I mean, people think the Mets don't have a shot at winning, right? And and they're probably right. But they've got an owner that's willing to spend a fortune, and, and people say they've got no shot of winning. What happens with the Nationals, who, yes, have a ton of great prospects coming up, but they ain't here yet outside of C.J. Abrams. There ain't guarantees yet. And, again, they're not spending any money or hardly any money. All right. 301 So the All-Star game in the NBA was this past Sunday night, All-Star weekend. Friday night, complete zoo, uh, whatever. I just Who cares about the celebrity All-Star game and Stephen A. Smith's ankle? Nobody cares. Zero people. Less than zero. Like, if, if, that, if that drew any sort of rating, which I'm sure it did because ratings are, as we know, preposterous and absurd – I just It just shows you everything you need to know about this country. Saturday night was pretty good in spots. The three-point shooting contest was fun. A bunch of guys shooting long balls in a timed minute session. Went the, After the first round, they had to go to a three-shooter uh, a, a three, um, playoff with just 30 seconds. And then, obviously, to the finals. Uh, and it was entertaining. And then Sabrina Ionescu and Steph Curry going at it. Fun! Fun. Except for Kenny Smith, who correctly got blasted by the Twitterati. You know what was not fun? The All-Star dunk contest and the All-Star game. That's how I would fill in that blank. How would you fill in that blank? The All-Star Weekend was what? And how can it be fixed if it can be fixed, if you want it to be fixed? Or are you okay with just it being what it is and understanding that it's not going to be a competitive game and nobody's going to play defense and nobody's going to care? Are you okay with that? 301-230-0980 on the Team 980 and... Always live and free on the Odyssey app. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medella is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, Medella. Is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. 
Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, we'll get back into the NFL later on this hour. Got some things that have been piling up on the old uh, schedule planner. Don't you dear fear. Um, One thing about the NBA All-Star Weekend, you know, listen, it's easy to bag on all All-Star games. It's why the NFL went to their stupid hokey flag football. And actually, to be honest with you, I'm more entertained by it than I thought I would be. Right? Like, I mean, there's no defense. Let's not – and obviously there's no physicality. But those guys were trying. Those guys were out there trying to make plays, trying to win a game. You know, Peyton and Eli coaching, whatever. I don't buy this notion that you can't get injured in a flag football game. Of course you can. You can get injured anywhere. Get injured in a shopping mall, walking out your front door. I mean, this notion that it's so much safer to play a non-contact version, mm, I don't buy it. Is it safer? Maybe. So much? Hugely safer? Largely safer? That I don't buy. The NBA All-Star game itself, the game, Sunday night, has never been about defense. But when a team scores 211 points, people go, wow, oh my God, that's awesome. That's so much fun. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I mean, it's, 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 there's, less, there's less defense and less hustle and less effort than in a morning shoot-around. To which there is none. To which there is none. Everybody knows it is literally just a bunch of highly paid, exorbitantly talented NBA players just literally shooting the rock on TV. And for the thousands of uh, fans in attendance in Indianapolis or wherever the game is played every year, for what? It's for corporate sponsorships, and it's for the diehard that will watch anything and everything. It is no longer like all-star games were originally, I think, designed to honor great players when, when when they didn't get the national recognition that everybody gets now. When there was no ESPN constantly and no Twitter and no MLB.com and whatever, constantly, and MLB Network and NHL Network and NBA TV and all that, NFL Network, that's what it was originally designed for. We all know the world is a different place, right? But one thing that I never, ever, 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 ever hear anybody say is that these all-star games are, again, not only a showcase of the stars or of the immortals or of, well, that's really WrestleMania. Got my WrestleMania tickets this uh, past weekend. Heading up to Philly. (sighs) But anyway, 
it's a showcase of the stars, yes. But how fun is it when nobody cares, when nobody wants to win, when nobody wants to hustle, when nobody wants to play defense, when nobody cares about a turnover or a missed shot or rebounding or boxing out, the game itself, right? And understandably, we, we, we all get it. It's not, it shouldn't be the same as a playoff game. And it probably shouldn't be the same as a late regular season game. But can it be like, I don't know, a November regular season game? Can it have that kind of intensity? And it clearly does not have that. But here's the thing that nobody ever talks about. It's as much a weekend in these sports for the corporate sponsors, the big-time national sponsors, to hobnob, to get together, to like wrap their arms around whatever league it is to get their logo and their information and their marketing out. That's what it's about. That's why they'll never do away with this stuff because corporate partners for whatever league pay so much money. You have to give them every opportunity, every opportunity to show their product. Now you say, well, Chris, they do that during the playoffs. Yeah, they do. Especially hockey, they do. They do. But NBA All-Star Weekend, even NHL All-Star Weekend, Pro Bowl Weekend, they're all conveniently timed to when there's not a lot going on. Real quick, though, because I just realized something. In my head, as we're talking about all the Pro Weekends, there's one big difference that NBA has in comparison to both football and NHL. In NBA, for the NBA All-Star game, they play a legitimate game of basketball. In the NHL, they play short games of four-on-four where it's a tournament bracket style, so you get the best players playing at very fast speeds trying to just stay alive. And in the NHL, or not NHL, NFL, you have flag football, which, as you mentioned earlier, is an entirely different sport. So the only of the big three sports, and I guess well, if you include, Well, baseball is still yeah. played at a... It, baseball is the game that is played most closely to what you would see during the regular season, yes. with the exception of the, the constant shuttling in and out of pitchers and... And and bench players Which, to give everybody, you know, or as many people an opportunity. Baseball is what most closely resembles the real thing. But to your point, the NBA compared to the Pro Bowl or compared to the NHL All-Star game is of the winter three. The yes. one that most closely actually resembles the sport itself. The problem is, is you got to pull back the layers of the onion there to kind of realize that yes it's basketball oh it's not though and i would and say that's the that problem. but i would say actually you saying that baseball is the closest you're right it is played the exact same as a regular game but there isn't a single baseball team that's going to be rotating players out as much that's so you get more the, yeah. fresh players right. hitting better playing right. stronger and like in that regard it's that feels the most like a showcase of all the top tier talent right. versus what you get with football or because those are more exciting for how the game is different. That's the best showcase of the all-star talent of the sport. That That's fair. That's fair. I mean, again, baseball, that's a good point. Baseball 
is the baseball all-star game is most closely played to what you see in the regular season because again the NBA was is not nor is the NHL nor is the Pro Bowl games obviously but because you do have a new pitcher virtually every inning and because you have I mean some guys get two at bats maybe depending on the person they might get three at bats maybe but I don't know how to fix that. I don't know how to fix that. I've always enjoyed the baseball all-star game the most out of any of them, but I don't know how to fix what you're talking about. I don't know. I, here's what I've come to the understanding of. Maybe at the age of 50, maybe we just accept it for what it is. Maybe we just say, you know what, instead of bitching about it, instead of what we want, don't want, you either watch it, you don't watch it, that's fine, that's up to you. You either enjoy it or you don't enjoy it, that's fine, that's up to you. But let's not try and make everything like a mid-May playoff game, if we can, okay? Uh, Because nobody, the players don't want that. The players don't want that stress. They don't want that toll. They look at it as, again, a weekend to hobnob, you know, to see their buddies around the league all in one location, to eat at some great restaurants, to be treated like kings, and away they go. So they don't want, like, we as fans and we in the media want, generally, more competition, more intensity, more hustle, more effort. They don't want that. The players don't want that at all, and they don't care about that. I think it's also just because it's a tone shift, and we are so, especially us in the media, are so used to covering these players and covering these teams that in this situation where theoretically you get the best of the best, we're expecting these teams to come out with Olympic caliber coordination and team play and being the two dream teams facing each other head-to-head. And that's just not what this is. This is a... This is an entertainment weekend for us to, honestly, a little bit to take a break as well because it's for fun. As long as somebody doesn't get extremely injured that causes a major controversy, there isn't much for us to say besides, hey, that was fun. Well, so when I say the NBA All-Star Game weekend was fill in the blank and I say, well, here's what I liked, here's what stood out to me. Is that me being critical of the style of play in the game, or is that me saying the game was really of no interest to me? I think it's just you saying what was and was not entertaining, and as this was a weekend, not to look at it from a sports aspect, but from an entertainment aspect, saying, hey, I like this. This wasn't my speed. I don't think there's an issue with that. Right. If you're looking at it from a competition and from an intensity and from an effort standpoint, you're looking at it wrong. If you're looking at it from what you just said, an entertain like think about it. I love wrestling, right? I mean, res- you know, wrestling is sports entertainment. Yes, of course, there's hard hitting and flying, and, and your body takes a pound, but it's scripted and it's planned and it's rehearsed, and you know, their technique, whatever. I mean, I like some people can't accept that wrestling is that way. I long ago accepted that it's somewhat scripted, largely entertainment. That it's Prearranged. I'm fine with that. I still like it. I don't watch it all like like you know, like a hawk, but you know, it's on in the background while I'm doing work, like it was last night, what have you. But I I, I accepted it long ago. 
So don't we have to accept what the NBA All-Star Weekend and what, quite honestly, the Pro Bowl Weekend and, quite honestly, what the NHL All-Star Weekend is? Just accept it that it's not what you normally see. It is something different, but it's a corporate powwow and it's a weekend for players around the league, the best of the best, to get together and fraternize. And, you know, maybe they put on a little skill show and that's it. And it's really, again, about taking care of the corporate partners and and putting the shine on them. And whatever the host city is, you know, gets a little bump from, hey, the NBA All-Star Weekend's in Indianapolis. Let's go. I I don't don't even know. Did did they have it at... um, did they have it at Lucas Oil Stadium, or did they have it where the Pacers play at the, the field? I, I don't even know. I think it was at the, the where the Pacers play, but I don't know because you know TNT's cameras were so like focused on the court. They never really that I heard um, in the parts of the broadcast that I heard Saturday and Sunday night. They never really mentioned it when I was listening. So maybe it was at Lucas Oil Stadium. I don't know. I don't know what the crowds were like, but but the point being is it was for entertainment. It's not for you to go, hey, man, why didn't Giannis, you know, uh, block that shot? Why didn't he throw his body down the lane at LeBron James? Why didn't LeBron James play in the second half? You know, again, it is what it is. It's a different form of entertainment than what we are normally used to. That's not always a bad thing. I, I think I've just decided as I get older to be more accepting. To be less critical at times, but also to be less demanding at times. It is what it is. So what? I mean, is 211 points with no hustle, no defense, no effort, no energy, is that fun? No, not really. But you don't have to watch, number one. You don't have to treat it the same, number two. And it, it it might be your cup of tea if you just like a lot of points and don't like a lot of defense. It might not be, but it is what it is. So let's stop trying to say, well, we've got to, you know, like the, they went back to the East-West format. Okay. I mean, next year, like if it's, I don't know if it's uh, time zone versus time. Who cares? It's just a dog and pony show. That's it. Nobody was harmed. Nobody is going to lose any sleep or nobody should lose any sleep over the fact that, like, again, somebody didn't put their body on the line on a drive down the lane and take a charge. In the regular season, you see that. Certainly in the postseason, you see that. Is it okay? Is it okay to have one night where it's not like that? I think it's okay. I mean, it, again, it's not my, It's not exactly what I love, but I'm harder to convince about the NBA to begin with, right? I mean, what, what I just say is it reminds me, and take this how you want, it's kind of like going to a Globetrotters game where you see very fancy skills. You see some awesome points scored. The score is going to be high. You're going to have constant offense. It's going to be fun. But you go in knowing that, hey, this really doesn't mean much. This is entertainment. 
That's the All-Star that's, weekend game. I think that's the best way to look at it. I think that's just how I'm going to approach it moving forward. Because I used to care. Now it's just like, oh, you know, Sunday night, quite honestly, I, I'm, I'm a sucker for a sappy emotional stories. I watched American Idol. I did. And then I watched some stupid show on ABC after that. And then I was like, oh, yeah, the NBA All-Star game is going on. Turned it on. Started, like, 12 minutes left to go in the game. And, and, and the East already had, like, 169 points. I was like, oh, go figure. And they wound up with 211. I mean, it is what it is, right? Like, if we just sit here and bang the drum and say, they got to fix it, it's a joke, it's a disgrace, it's this, it's that, do they? I mean, again, it's not for me. It's not my cup of tea. But they don't have to change it. There's nothing to really change. Not everything has to be the same. There can be different levels, different entertainment options. There can be. Let's get to lap here before the break, and then we'll uh, take the break and come on back with some more uh, on the Ace Law listener lines at 301-230-0980. What's up, Lappy? How are you? Lap? I don't know what happened to Lap. All right, we'll put him back on hold. Let's uh, see if we can get – all right, let's take a break. Uh, and uh, get we'll get the phone straightened out, 301-230-0980, 301-230-0980. I'm going to move away from the NBA All-Star weekend probably after 2.30. I mean, if you want to chime in, you want to weigh in, fine, as part of your – but I got some other things uh, that I think will, um, you know, kind of wet your whistle a little bit. Uh, but, um, again, it's not for me, but they're not trying to market to me. They don't care about a 50-year-old white guy, right? And and they shouldn't because I'm not spending money on their product. I'm not buying jerseys. I'm not buying hats. You know, I'm not going to a game unless I get tickets for free. I'm not watching them like a hawk. I'm just not. Like an Atlanta hawk on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Just shy of 225 on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. 301-230-0980, 301-230-0980. So, again, I've kind of come to the realization that, you know, I mean, again, these All-Star weekends are not for everyone. They are not certainly, if you like the real thing and if you like competition and if you like hustle and if you like effort, that's not what they're about. They're a corporate shindig. And for the fans who are not there, who are not involved in the corporate high-end stakes of the league and the product, for the fans on TV, they are a situation where, you know what, listen, you've got hundreds of choices between live cable, satellite, streaming services, you can go out to a movie, you can read a book, you can do whatever. You can hang out with your kids, you can whatever you get to do. You don't have to watch it. You don't have to like it. You don't have to embrace it. You don't have to want it. Don't watch it. Don't watch it. Nobody, nowhere in the world does it say, 
We have to have every event be the same. We have to have every game be exactly like the next. That's it. I've just, you know, again, during the Pro Bowl games, I watched a little bit of it. It was entertaining at the end. Uh, They were, you know, they were trying. I watched parts of the NHL All-Star game, but I can't sit there and tell you I was, like, riveted to it. It was just on on a Saturday afternoon. I was doing some work. And it was on the TV. It was fun. And I'll watch the baseball All-Star game. But I probably won't care who wins. Or I probably won't be sitting there yelling and screaming the day of or the day after. Maybe 10 years ago I would have. When I cared a little bit more. And also when too many things bothered me. Now I'm at a point where, you know what? That doesn't bother me. I mean, I would also say that 10 years ago, it was a bigger deal. Because fair point. 10 years ago, was there were still rivalries between East and West in the conferences. Now, with the modern trends for how players move around so much, everybody's been to basically every conference at this point that they have friends wherever. There's not really any beef. It's a fair point. And because of that, it's like, you know what? This is more about us getting together and showing off what we're capable yeah. of. Again, it's a big old corporate hobnob, you know, type situation. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it's corporate. I mean, especially if you're in those corporations, (laughs) a lot of fun. I mean, heck, we saw a lot of ads during the Super Bowl. That made it kind of corporate. Exactly. All right, uh, let's grab a call here before 2.30. We'll actually talk about a new documentary, a new film uh, that's out on Giannis, the Greek Freak. Coming up next hour. Stay tuned for that. Uh, it's out on Prime Video as of today. Let's get to Robin Frederick uh, first up here in the leadoff spot. What's up, Rob? How are you? Hey, you were talking about you like wrestling. I used to like roller derby until I watched the movie Whip It because I thought there were no rules in roller derby until I watched that. Now it made me kind of disappointed. All right, I don't know the movie, but I do remember roller derby when I was a kid growing up. Um, I used to watch it on MS, MSG Network out of New York all the time, man. All the time. What was the movie about? What did you learn about it? I'm curious. Well, it was about a woman who, or a girl who was very good at roller derby, but she couldn't get in because she was underage. So they kind of hit her age so she could play because she knew her parents wouldn't approve it. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So she was uh, able to, so, I mean, it, was it based on a real story or was it fiction? I think it was based on a real story, but it's been so long since I've watched it. I mm. can't swear to that. Yeah. But I, rem- like I, re- I remember when they used to just like, uh, you know, because they had the like the railings around the, 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 the you know, the track, if you will. And right. I mean, there were times, yeah, I can't remember if it was all women and no men. I, I think that's what it was, but I can't remember. Maybe it was men versus men. I, I can't remember the scenario, but where they, you know, where they used to like come up next to somebody just like they would in hockey and ride them into the railing and dump them basically over the damn railing. And you'd see somebody fly like they do off the top, you know, over the top rope in wrestling. Yeah. And you'd give them elbow shots as they were coming through. Mm-hmm. 
and the knees and everywhere else. So, yeah, like I said, that's why I used to watch it. But Exactly. Like I said, there was a strategy after I watched the movie and all that. It didn't make it as fun anymore. Got so. it, yeah. I, I, and I understand. I, I Listen, again, there's so many, there's so many entertaining op- entertainment options. I, I guess, I, I guess the, the crux of this is let's not just bitch and hate everything because that's what I see a lot of. And maybe, again, at one point, I used to do that. I know I did. I, I mean, I used to make a big deal. To Matt's point, right, I think everybody used to care a little bit more about the competition, about the conference versus conference thing. I know – I don't know how old you are, Rob, but, I, you know, I'm 50. Growing up, the American League versus the National League was like a huge rivalry in baseball, right? I mean, that's – I mean, I grew up – in the heart of that, the American League hated the National League and vice versa. It's not like that in any way, shape, or form, and it hasn't been for a long time. Well, I remember when Joe Morgan was doing an interview and yeah. he said, the commissioner of the National League used to come over and tell them, we will not lose to the American yep. League. And yes. Yeah, you're, I remember right. that. You're right. Thank you, Rob. Appreciate the uh, phone call. You're right. I mean, there were so many – like, if you think about it, right – like, think about where our society is. Now, after football games, these guys who go at it for three hours, who are division rivals in many cases, commanders, cowboys, they sit around and they hug each other and they pray and they swine their jerseys and they take their jerseys off. And, and it's all on display. It's not done privately. It's not done in the tunnels outside the lot. It's all on display. You think that I, – I mean, quite honestly – do you think Deron Payne? Do you think Deron Payne hates Micah Parsons? Hell no. Hell no. Do you think Deron Payne gives a rat's ass about Dak Prescott? No. It's just not the same anymore. And and and, and again, to some degree, that's okay. Just like the All-Star games are just not the same as they once used to be. And maybe, like, in the NBA's case, I mean, I, I don't think it was ever as, 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 as whatever Sunday night was. I mean, I don't think any teams ever scored 211 points. I think that was an all-time high. But, again, it's just a glorified shoot-around. If you don't like it, you don't have to watch you don't have to care. You don't have to like everything. 232. Let's get some NFL talk in next. Back there. We opened uh, with a commander's free weekend. There is a commander's trade proposal that my guy Earl Forsey uh, put up that I want to throw out to you guys. And Daniel Jeremiah's got a new mock draft. We'll get to that. All coming up, plus your phone calls at 301-230-0980-301-230-980 on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. All right, we'll start with college football. Yeah, that's right, in the middle of February. The college football playoff board of managers unanimously approving the model that will allow the 12-team playoff to take place again starting this upcoming year. The five highest-ranked conference champions uh, will be included automatically in the 12-team field and then the next seven highest-ranked teams, according to an announcement made by the CFP. Meanwhile, the fallout from 
the Daytona 500 yesterday in Hendrick Motorsports' 40th anniversary. William Byron putting the number 24, formerly of Jeff Gordon, who is part of Hendrick Motorsports, uh, back in the winner's circle in Daytona. The race was held Monday evening because of rain, making it a washout on Sunday night. NASCAR heading to Atlanta this weekend for week two of their very long season. And tonight, the Capitals back home after a win against the Montreal Canadiens on Saturday in Montreal. They'll take on the New Jersey Devils. 7.05 faceoff, 106.7 The Fan, Caps Radio Network, the Odyssey app. The Devils beat the Flyers on Saturday night in the stadium series at MetLife Stadium. And that's what's trending. All right, so my guy Earl Forsey, uh, who you mostly hear over on the 106.7 side, but during the football season, early Sunday mornings, you'll hear on Countdown to Kickoff, uh, basically starting at 8 a.m., longtime veteran voice of the D.C. market, big-time Redskins fan, commanders, whatever. Uh, he hates the commander's name, but he doesn't, like, eschew them like some others do. Uh, you know, just be like, I hate the name. I wish it was not that, but, you know, it is the Washington Commanders. Whatever. Just wanted to set the scene in case you don't know, uh, you know, or not familiar with Earl. He also does some stuff over at SiriusXM uh, with the PGA Tour radio network. So, he posted this a little while ago, about an hour ago, a projection with the points chart, right? You often hear like the points chart, trade chart for the draft. Well, the points chart, if you will, applied to a, a trade for a draft pick, okay, between two teams, but also involving, you know, some other things, right, uh, and some other picks. So what what he presented, and I don't know who uh, did, oh, I guess it was um, – here, here's what it here's what it was. It was um, NFL Draft Scout, I guess, had this. I don't know. Earl just put it up. So basically, the proposed deal would be the switch of number one and number two overall picks, Commanders and the Chicago Bears. Commanders moving up. That costs, according to the trade chart, three thousand points. The Bears would receive the number two overall pick, of course, duh, which is worth 2,600 points, according to the chart. They would also get the two second-round picks that the Commanders have this year, number 36 and number 40. Number 36 being worth 540 points, number 40 worth 500 points, and then a 2024 also third-round pick, the compensatory pick, which I think is – like pick 100 or right around there. The Commanders have five picks in the top 100. It's like six picks in the top 104, what have you. So basically, essentially, what they're saying is you would switch first and second picks and the Commanders would have to give the second round pick number 40 that they got from Montez Sweat back to the Bears plus their own second round pick, okay, to the Bears, 
and a third-round compensatory pick. So now, instead of having basically five picks in the top 100, you would have, if I'm counting right, two picks in the top 100, right? I mean, obviously, you'd switch the number one and number two overall. You'd lose both of your second-round picks and one of your two third-round picks. So I think you would have, again, go from five picks in the top 100 to two picks in the top 100. And basically it says, well, Washington would pay a 25% premium, a total of 3,740 total points to move up one spot. It was indeed at NFL draft. Um, I don't know if that's officially affiliated with the league. I think it is, but I'm not 100% sure. And it says it's the official account of the NFL draft, so... I mean, I, I guess it's officially affiliated with the league. Who, who knows? But I've seen it before. So, in full disclosure, I've never, ever, 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 ever really been a fan of moving up. I mean, if you look at what started the Kyle Shanahan era in San Francisco – was two first-round flops, Solomon Thomas at number three, Reuben Foster at number 31. But the reason why San Francisco drafted at number three is because they hoodwinked the Bears, ironically enough, into moving up one spot from three to two for Mitchell Trubisky. They took Trubisky. Trubisky wasn't awful in Chicago, but he wasn't good enough, right? So you'd have to say that deal did not work out for the Bears. He didn't even stay around for a second contract. But that's how the 49ers were able to recover from two essentially blown first-round picks in that year's draft. Solomon Thomas, who I didn't even know is still in the league with the Jets as a reserve defensive end. He was at the summer, uh, the stadium series game the other day. And Reuben Foster, who hasn't been in the league since catastrophically blowing out his knee here in Washington a couple years ago. He had a bunch of workouts, but never hooked up uh, that I remember with the team. So they were able to recover from those bad picks because they got a bounty of other picks. Yes, of course, the number three turned out to be disappointing, but they got a bounty of other picks to move down one spot. I love a team that is willing to move down, but do it creatively in that you move down one spot, you move down two spots, maybe you move down three spots. We're not talking about moving from number two to number 12 or number 15. Now, sure, you can get a large payday by doing that. Sure you can. But it better be so good that you're willing to drop 10 spots, 12 spots, 11 spots, whatever it might be. But I am still a fan of that. I I mean, like, if you told me, hey, Chris, we could get to move from number, because there was this rumor last week, remember we did this, I think, with Linnell, where the commanders were projected to trade down to 12, and then they were re-projected to go from 12 to 10 after going from 2 to 12. 
And if you told me, well, like by moving 10 spots down to say number 12, just using that as an example, that I could get first round picks the next two years plus, I don't know, a second round pick this year, mid-second round, and I would have the number 12 and I would have three second-round picks and two third-round picks and two fourth-round picks, I might be willing to do that. Even though picking at number two is so much obviously better than picking at number 12. But ideally, I would like to move down one spot with New England, two spots, three spots. Now, there is a risk. If you're hell-bent on thinking they've got to get a quarterback and it's got to come in the first couple of picks of the draft and that's the only thing you can consider, then I don't know if you want to trade past number three. And even that comes with some risk. But there is much less risk and much greater opportunity to improve your team as a whole and for years to come, by getting more volume in return and by trading down a little bit, a wee little bit, than a lot of bit, but certainly more than trading up. And here's the problem. Again, we talk about this all the time. You can have conviction about Caleb Williams. You don't know. Adam Peters doesn't know. Kyle Shanahan didn't know about Trey Lance. Otherwise, he wouldn't have traded for him. And there's a new story out from John Lynch and MMQB, like John Lynch's reaction to Kyle Shanahan saying he wanted to trade up to number three or whatever for Trey Lance was like, are you bleeping kidding me? You know, and and, and all this stuff. To me, trading up to number one from number two and having it cost two premium second-round picks, two top 40 picks, plus a late third-round pick for whatever it's worth. And, again, it could be worth something. It could be worth nothing or very little. For somebody that shows a boatload of talent but also shows some measurable immaturity and some inconsistency against great defenses – Right? That is a problem to me because you're going to play, obviously, much, much, much better defenses than you in in the NFL on a week in, week out basis than you are in college football and in the Pac 12. So here's uh, I took this over the weekend. According to uh, this dude, uh, the the underscore Mick 07, I have no idea who the Mick is, Caleb Williams, and, and the, the, the graphic was struggles against the best. I don't know if he took this from Fox or whatever. Against non-top 25 opponents, 23 starts, 70.3% completion rate, 317.2 yards per game, a 78 to 7 touchdown to interception ratio. Against top 25 opponents, I presume at the time, not where they wind up. Against top 25 opponents, i.e., again, Notre Dame last 
last October in, in South Bend. Five starts. A completion percentage of 51.4%. 172 yards per game. Six touchdowns and six interceptions. Now, assuming all these numbers from the Mick are correct, and again, they're in graphic form. He's not typing this out. So he got it from somewhere. Assuming all of these numbers are correct, not to say that there's a guarantee that Caleb Williams struggles in the NFL, but that's pretty damn alarming because no matter what top 25 defense we're talking about, they ain't as good as some of the worst defenses, i.e. the commanders, in the NFL. So Caleb Williams is far, 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 just one measurement, is far from a slam dunk. Even if you have a conviction, a conviction that he potentially can be the next Patrick Mahomes, that he can grow and mature and F Utah isn't a part of his future. Even if you have that conviction, it is not worth trading up for. Let the Bears have him, assuming that they take him. And if he turns out to be great, good for the Bears and good for Caleb Williams. You don't have to be party to that. You don't have to trade your future based on some conviction that you might have, some itch, some urge that you might have. Even if you're right, people say, well, it doesn't matter what you pay. You got to be really right. That means production, consistency, and that also means injury status. There's a lot that has to go right for you to be right. To me, trading for the number one overall pick would be it, it would be very, very, very disappointing. It would be a, it would be a disaster, in my opinion. It would not be a good sign for me. And I could be wrong, but I don't think I would be. 301-230-0980, your call's coming up. Would you make a move of that sort? Two second-round picks this year, a third-round compensatory pick, and a swap of the number one and number two overall pick. That exact trade for Caleb Williams, would you buy in if you're the commanders on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app? All right, we're going to go right out to your calls and get as many of you in as we can. Again, proposed trade just for fun. We'll do a lot of this stuff because we need to. Bears get the number one, uh, number two overall pick from Washington. Washington gets the number one overall pick. Washington has to give the two second round picks, 36 and 40, one of which, number 40, was acquired from Montez Sweat, plus a late third round compensatory pick in order to move up one spot. Are you in or are you not in under any circumstances? I am not in under any circumstances. What about you? 301 Let's go to Larry in Annapolis to get us going. What's up, Larry? How are you? I'm doing well, Ruth. How are you, man? Doing good, Larry. Thanks for the buzz. Saying that there is no such thing as leveraging too much of a future when the potential talent level is Patrick Mahomes. Listen, two second rounds, a, a conditional, there isn't enough of an opportunity that I would miss to go after that level of talent. And even if you do swing and miss, okay, well, the comp you just gave, Adam Peters and the guys over in, in San Francisco, they literally just did it a few years ago with Trey Lance. And can we say that that has 
hamstrung their opportunity to be successful? No. So there are other alternative ways to build the program, even if you miss in the draft. And we've seen that. I agree with that. I, I, I do understand that. I guess what I would argue is if net, when, when you have as many holes, obviously, and you wouldn't be picking number two overall if you did, <laughs> when you have as many holes as they do, you put then a lot of pressure on those mid-round picks, which they almost all came through for the 49ers. Well, not almost all, but a lot of them came through and, and were studs. You know, I mean, George Kittle, Drake Greenlaw, Fred Werder, um, you know, Hufunga on the back end, who they really missed down the stretch. So many guys came through. Do you put too much pressure on getting those diamonds in the rough, if you will, to work out and to work out like studs if you swing and miss at the top? Because to your point, San Francisco, yes, they swung and miss on Trey Lance, and right now it's not hurting them. But, I mean, who would have thought that, Brock Purdy would be Brock Purdy. And that's the, and that's another big, big component of it is, you're right, that, that makes those mid and late round picks that much more effective. But what I would say is, did they get lucky or did they coach those players up to reach that potential? Mm-hmm. Because if, if you're confident that you've got the staff in place to, to A, maximize those mid, mid-rounds, re, mid-rounders' talent, but also to – to keep them motivated and to, to keep them of a mentality that they want to keep getting better and keep getting better. If you've got those motivators and those teachers in place, then again, the potential downside does not compare, in my opinion, to the potential upside. Like again, there, you if you ask a Chiefs fan right now, they would give even more than what they gave to get Patrick Mahomes. That's Absolutely, it. it's worked out brilliantly for them. But a, do you have Andy Reid making that decision? Was well again. Was that a was who was the GM at that time? Was that was it still the um? Uh, oh, the for Kansas City, you mean? Yeah, yeah. I th- I want to say it was John Dorsey, but I'd have to double check that. Dorsey and Reed had a falling out. I want to say it was right. John Dorsey, but I I could be. But it, make no mistake, just like in San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan has all the power. Andy Reid has all the power. Uh, in, right. in Kansas right. City. So, I, again, if it would have failed, it would have been on Andy Reid. If it would have succeeded, it's on Andy Reid. You don't have that necessarily here. I'm not saying that they can't develop a quarterback. Of course, I mean, you're hopeful. But, again, I, I guess it's a little bit different um, in terms of he's not going to Andy Reid with the opportunity to sit behind Alex Smith you know, for a year and then also being surrounded – not that they were all there when he got there, but not being surrounded by Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, so on and so forth. Uh, good call, Larry. I appreciate it. Uh, I understand. I understand. And it's very tempting. A good way to get us started. By the way, that deal for Chicago and San Francisco in 2017 was the Bears moving from number two, uh, three, number three to number two, selecting Trubisky. Chicago gave up their number three overall pick, which turned out to be Solomon Thomas. Again, not a great pick by San Francisco there, as we've talked about. Third round pick, number 67 overall, one of their fourth round picks, number 111, and a 2018 third round pick, so the next year to move up one spot. I mean, that's not as that's not as heavy of a cost as it would be to go from two to one. And that's the problem. If I could pay that, 
I might be willing to do that. But to go from two to one is going to cost me prob- either the two first, second round picks and the late third, as this one is. But I don't even know if Chicago would do that. Like, would Chicago do that? I mean, when they have, what, the ninth or tenth overall pick as well? I don't know. I don't think so. 301-230-0980. More of your calls, more of your reaction. Coming straight up, I promise. We'll get you all in. Just hang tight. Top of the hour, right here on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. On this Tuesday, quick moving show. Go right back to the calls. A 301-230-0980 on the Ace Law listener lines and a rec Ace Law. I hope you get a check. Call them at 8888-ACE-LAW. Would you do the proposed trade? Not that it's been proposed by anybody in the real NFL world, but these are the conversations and what have you that are happening in buildings. Hey, If the commanders gave number 36 and number 40 plus a late third-round compensatory pick to move up one spot, would you do it? To control the draft. Remember, everybody would automatically assume it was for Caleb Williams. We don't know if the Bears love Caleb Williams as much as everybody is convinced that they do. Right? That's the other downside to this. What if the Bears... And Justin Fields scratched the Instagram and whatever, and everybody's making a big deal out of it. What if the Bears clearly are moving on from Justin Fields, which I would too? And what if they like Drake May or Jaden Daniels more than they like Caleb Williams? There are people out there, legitimate NFL people, that do not love Caleb Williams. I mean, Merrill Hodge is one of them. I saw another draft analyst... um, Oh, you know who it was? It's uh, former NFL quarterback. Uh, again, not a huge household name, but he does a lot of draft work now. He's got a book, Kirk Benkirk, Gent Benkirk, 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 whatever. He said Caleb Williams is his number one A, meaning someone else is ahead of him. I didn't see the rest, but it, it's perfectly plausible to think that the commanders could wind up with Caleb Williams at number two and not have to do a thing. So you have to factor that in as you're trying to aggressively control the draft and jump ahead of anyone else. 301-230-0980. Let's go back to the phones and uh, let's see. Uh, Lap is back with us. Let's get to him first up here, and then we'll get to everybody else. What up, Lap? How are you? Hey, what's up, Lucy? How hey, are you, man? I'm just, I'm just hoping, man, we hit on whatever direction we go. Um, I'm cool with standing at number two pick. I don't want to trade uh, the picks. It just sucks because when you're not the number one. You know, and there could be some other talent in there, you know, in the draft. We don't know. But, you know, in years past, if you look at that Chase um, Chase Young uh, draft, you know, I wanted Joe Burrow. And, you know, we wasn't able to get him, of course. And then, you know, I wanted Andrew Luck, but I was happy that, you know, RG3 anyway. And it looked promising for that one season, you know what I'm saying? 
But it's just like now we're in the same predicament. And I know we, I think we had the number two pick, yeah, when um, LeVar Anderson was here too. But this time is is different, you know, with other quarterbacks being an option too. And I don't really know if Caleb, to me, is really that number clear favor like a Joe Burrow or Andrew Luck. I mean, I guess we'll see. But if there's other talent out there, I think we should go consider the other quarterbacks. You know what I'm saying? And like you said, there's a possibility he could be, you know, a number two which would give us some options, too, as well, man. But I, I'm just hoping that we hit and get it right, man, because that, that's what I'm looking forward to. I just want to see if we can hit and, and, you know, have something promising for the next few years, you know, to be excited. You know, here, here's the thing, Lap, that I, I – we see the direction that yeah. they go. Here's the thing that I would say, right, if they stay at number two and for whatever reason take Drake May, Jaden Daniels, whatever, and they strike out or it's a disappointment yeah. or whatever, if you didn't trade up, to get that pick, it's much, much, much less of a failure and much less harmful than if you trade up and you're wrong. Yeah. Meaning, yeah, meaning, yeah, if yeah, you we'll, trade up and you're wrong, like they did with Robert Griffin, that sets you back for yeah. years and years and years. If you just take Drake yeah. May at number two and he's inconsistent and he's not Justin Herbert and he tantalizes people and you see the good, but also you see the bad and maybe he doesn't get a second contract or a fifth-year option or whatever the case might be, you didn't trade up and you didn't lose anything to take them. It's one bad pick or one yeah. pick that didn't work out the way you were hoping, but you didn't combine that with other valuable assets. And that's the problem. That's the problem. When yeah. you start to think about putting stuff together to move up again, one spot, you really, you know, put yourself in, in, you really put yourself in a tough yeah. situation, you know? Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll still have options if it's not that weighty. You know, like you said, if we, you know, go with the draft versus trading up some picks and then, you know, it'd be a disaster. But I'm just saying, for me being a longtime fan, like, I'm excited about the direction, but it's like, man, we, we got to hit on this. I mean, look at look at Cleveland and Detroit and Bills and the Rams and the Chiefs. It's like certain teams was just sorry for years, the Bengals. Like, it's got to be our turn now, bro. It's got to be. So I'm just hoping, man, we can get it right and, and see what happens. Appreciate you, Lap. Thank you. Uh, good yep. to hear from you, as always. Let's get to Jax in Calvert County. What's up, Jax? How are you on the Team 980? Hey, Chris. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, thanks for making it, Jax. Good to hear. Yeah, good to hear from you. Wait, 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 wait. Did you just say you were a first-time caller? To the show, yeah. I appreciate that. Oh, a little Ric Flair woo for you. Okay. Thanks, guys. Welcome. Um, I want to start out by saying, no, let's not outsmart ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think we're in a, I think we're in a position that the 49ers was in when they drafted um, their quarterback, and we don't have to give up any of that. And it's understood that these three quarterbacks are, are close to each other, or at least. Two of them are a half a tier under Caleb guy. Mm -hmm. So why outsmart ourselves? Do what the um the um the Cowboys did in the nineties. It ain't how many picks you got; it's who you pick. And we got tons of picks in the prime state of the middle of the draft with all the best players in depth is, is at. So if we can hit on this quarterback. That's what we should do, and we and we and we gonna set ourselves up great. 
And even if we do miss, we still got a better team built around the, whoever the next quarterback going to be anyway. I agree. But we can't – we cannot – pass of an opportunity to get one out of three of these quarterbacks. We, we cannot do that. So so, he, so, wait, so here's the question, Jax, before you go. Yes, would sir. you yes, would sir. you be – so I outlined a scenario earlier that, like, I would be open to them trading down, but ideally I would like, like it to be a situation where they go from two to number three. You know, if they can find a way – to kind of sucker the Patriots into moving up one spot just to get a little more ammunition. Now, there is risk involved in that, in that you don't get the quarterback that you want, okay? Uh, And certainly there is risk in moving down further. But to your point, when you talk about building a team, building a roster, and not just being about the quarterback, and I think this was proven in San Francisco. Sure, they swung a big stick at Trey Lance, and they struck out, and they struck out miserably. But they built a team. They built a team capable, one through 53, of being essentially a modern-day juggernaut. Now, I, I know they've fallen short in a couple of Super Bowls. They built a team by not focusing hey, just me, on the quarterback. Let me push let, let me push on that. Okay. We we're in that position right now already to build a dynamic team and we got draft money. That's I mean, fair. And we got free agents. That's fair. And and, and and as far as trading back, my dream will be to get back, draft I mean, go move back with the Carolinas. I mean I mean with, with Arizona hoping they're going to get that wide receiver. Well, we can still get, get one of the three quarterbacks and get a second first-round pick in the um, same draft. I think they had the 27th pick, and that's what we can get out as rusher or get that tackle that's in the front of it. I want to say they had the 27th pick or something like that. That would be my fantasy, to get an extra pick or two and still get that one of those three quarterbacks. What do you um, think about that? I mean – I, all right, so. No, 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 I'm not saying that's going to happen. I, I, this is fantasy, a yeah. wish list, what, what, what we're doing right now. But all right, so, you're, if, so, if we, if we so I, I just want to be, I just want to be clear what you're saying. You're saying they uh-huh. get one of the top three quarterbacks, okay? Yeah. So, meaning, however that gets done, but they also get, they also get, where did you say in the back end of the first round that they would, the twenty, I think Arizona has the twenty seventh pick in the first uh, round. If, if, if we swap with Arizona, yeah, it's not Arizona. Uh, Philly has the twenty seventh. Kansas City twenty six. Buffalo uh, twenty five. The Browns twenty. Uh, no, I'm sorry, that's Houston that has the twenty eighth overall pick because that was the Browns. Um, I, heard, I, I could have swore her Arizona had a, a late round first round pick. Arizona's got the number four overall pick, and yeah. the I don't see them at all on this chart. And this is officially from the NFL. Okay, they have the number four. I'm, I'm wrong. So, so, but, but I'm here, wrong. here's here's where I don't think you're wrong. Okay, you might be wrong in this uh-huh. particular scenario, but here's here's uh-huh. what where I'm at. If you traded slightly down, okay, again three. If you wanted to go, say, even four or five, ideally I would like to stay in the top five. What about whatever you pick up as part of that trade down? 
along with, say, one of those two high second-round picks, that allows you to move back into the first round at the end and get a Michael Penix or a Bo Nix or somebody like that. Maybe, again, not one of these top three shiny toys, but you get a Marvin Harrison Jr. You get Joe Alt from Notre Dame, the left tackle, or Fashonu, the kid from uh, Penn State, the other kid, uh, left tackle, or somebody like that, and then you still get your quarterback in the first round, granted later in the first round, by moving back into the first round with the extra ammunition that you get from moving down from that number two overall pick. Now you're killing, again, a couple of birds, theoretically, with one stone. My, my, my only question is, how far is the drop-off? Yeah, I hear and what you. are we going to do with? And what are we going to do with Brissett? I hear you. Is Brissett going to stay yep. and be that bridge quarterback? Uh, well, he's a free agent. So, by the way, you were right. Well, no, you, you were you were right. The, uh, Arizona has the twenty-first overall pick. The way the NFL um, lists it was a little confusing, so I didn't see the note. Uh, they do have the number 21 overall pick as part of that trade with Houston last year to allow Houston to move uh, back up from the you know uh, the second and third overall picks that they had. So you're right, they do have 21. Um, you know, again, I don't know, I, I don't know, you know, That's if you, if you could <laughs> if you could get yeah. number 21 and number four when Arizona right now seems okay on Kyler Murray. I don't know if you could pull that off, but if you could, I would sure as hell be interested in that. Thank you, Jax. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Good call. Appreciate it. Uh, make sure you call back again. All right. I'll tell you what. We'll take a quick timeout. Come back for another round of calls. Uh, then we'll be joined uh, by Kristen Lapis, who is the Emmy Award-winning filmmaker of the new documentary movie on Giannis Antetokounmpo's life, going all the way back from his childhood in Greece. It's out on Amazon Prime. We'll do that just after 3.30. Short conversation there. Uh, and we will, again, finish up with a final round of calls next on all this trade stuff. And obviously, we'll be doing a lot of it over the coming uh, weeks and months right here on the Team 980 in the Odyssey app. All right, right back to the calls so we can get you all in. Uh, we probably won't be able to take any more besides what's up on the board right now. So uh, we're coming to Cliff and Paul. But first, Kevin in Virginia. What up, Kev? How are you? Good. How are you? Good, Kevin. Thanks what's for going on? Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, thanks for making it. Yeah, I'm just wondering if you've uh, weighed this scenario of us trading for fields, giving up a two, and then trading back to the Falcons or the Raiders or the Broncos, we recoup the number two and probably get a first rounder in 2025. If Fields doesn't work out, we just we draft someone the next tomorrow. I mean, in 2025, right? A quarterback. All right. So I think I think it's a fun I think it's a fun little I think it's a fun little hypothetical but possibly plausible scenario. So let's work through this together, right? Fields, if you traded for him and you traded, say, one of the two second-round picks, 36 or 40, right? Uh, You know, preferably Mm -hmm. 40 as opposed to 36, but you know the game. So you'd be getting a quarterback who is wonderfully athletically talented, um, seems to be a pretty mature kid, uh, young man, and has all the ability in the world 
but is inconsistent as a passer. And the question would be is whether Cliff Kingsbury and Brian Johnson and guys like that could bring out more in him than Luke Getze and the Bears and so on and so forth. And to that, I would answer, yes, they probably can. The question is, is if you make a trade for Justin Fields, do you have to pick up the fifth-year option that would be due right after the draft that would lock him in for two years and therefore would lock him in for probably two years, 30 – let's just call it 31 32 million between his salary this year and then again the fifth year option salary in 2025 so to me that's one part of it then the other part of it what you're suggesting is trading down to you said atlanta um who were the other teams uh at um broncos raiders who desperate for quarterback okay so you're and you're talking about trading fields for no 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 we trade the we trade the number two pick for to to Atlanta or the Raiders. Oh, right, because the they would move they would move up to number two because you're keeping Fields. You would drop down to say eight with Atlanta or yeah. I guess Minnesota needs a quarterback for the future if they don't get Kirk Cousins on Denver certainly at number twelve. Um, we can still get a tackle. We yeah. can still get the guy from Alabama. The the end. Yeah, we still get a good pick. I I think it's a fun scenario, and I would. Here's the deal, how, how I would answer this. And I don't know if I'm right. I'm not a huge Justin Fields guy, i got to be honest. I think he's too inconsistent yep. uh, as a passer. I, I understand, again, all of the qualities. I get that he's been in a tough situation. I got it, got it, got it. But there's still no guarantee. There's still no guarantee that he works out and he's anything more than what he is. But here's the thing. I, as opposed to just trading straight up for him – and committing to him, even for two years with a lot of guaranteed money in 2025, what I might do to work your scenario in is do that if I could trade, say, number 40 overall, which is what I got for Montez Sweat, ultimately. So it's, yeah. instead, you're, you, you essentially traded Montez Sweat on an expiring contract for Justin Fields, not do the fifth-year option, which would put a lot of pressure on everyone, right, for Justin Fields to figure it out quickly. Not pick up the guaranteed money, $24 million or whatever it is, for the fifth-year option, meaning in 2025. Let it play out for one year. If I like what I see during OTA's camp early in the season, I could start working on a long-term deal. I still have the franchise tag as a last resort. But to your point, then trade down with a quarterback-hungry team. Say it, Let's just say Atlanta. From 8-2. to two. Say Kirk Cousins stays in Minnesota, doesn't go to Atlanta, which you know has been heavily rumored, and Atlanta desperate comes up from 8-2. to two. Now you've recouped not only that second-round pick, the f- number 40, but you've also added to the till. You got the number 8 overall pick, so you're still in the top 10, and you get probably, again, right around 40 back, uh, you know, give or take. Uh, maybe, maybe actually actually it would be 39. And then on top of that, you might get, oh, I don't know, a first-round pick next year from Atlanta. I might be right. willing to do that. I like that scenario. I didn't or, think about that. Or how about this? You stay at two and you take Marvin Harrison. That would be quite a tempting. I, I, I listen, yes, tempting – Yes, but to me, I think you could get Marvin Harrison lower. And that's a think, not a no. 
And I think, again, not no, I think if you took Marvin Harrison at number two, while some people would like that, I think most people would look at that as an opportunity to do more with that pick was not had. A, you don't get your franchise quarterback. B, maybe you overtake or overvalue Marvin Harrison. But I I really like how you thought about the first one. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate the phone call. Let's get to Paul in Annapolis. What up, Paul? How are you on the Team 980? Doing good, sir. This is my first time talking to you. Nice to have you aboard. Hang on one second. There you go. Ric Flair loves you. Okay. So my biggest thing is Don't seem no, so excited now, Paul. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm just teasing. Right. I'm just I'm, I'm just teasing with you. Yeah, I, I do not think we should trade to get the first round, the first pick overall. That's that's a farce. I think that we had picked in the first round a couple of times and I think that the first the two players we picked that were from Washington DC turned out to be bust. We lost both of them for pretty much nothing, the quarterback and Chase Young. I think we should trade back, get as many picks as we can get, and build a team and not build a quarterback. Yeah, so so I'm with you in general. Uh, you know, I mean, listen, do I think Caleb Williams, being from Washington, D.C., and some of the things that you've heard, rumors, speculation, whether it's all true, some of it true, some of it is, some of it isn't, whatever. Do I think that ultimately will work out for the Washington Commanders? No, I do not. I think there's too much there. Uh, again, some of it might not be fair, but some of it I think is legit, and some of it is concerning. And to your point, like, could it be worse if it's in his hometown? Yes, the answer to that is it could be worse. Not based on what happened with Chase Young and Dwayne ha- uh, and Dwayne Haskins, but just based on the mere reality that his family all lives here. His family, his dad specifically, are already highly involved in his son's life. Could you imagine his dad's going to be calling all the shows on Twitter, uh, at press conferences, at games, maybe in the locker room like Robert Griffin's dad once was, you know, that can get really, really tricky and hairy. That's why I think it would be messy, not necessarily because Chase Young and Dwayne Haskins were both from uh, or both played their high school ball here and both were from the area and both struck out. You you see where I'm coming from? And I, I do, and I think that that's my that's my point. I think it's too much pressure on a young kid to come to his hometown with yep. so many family and friends that's going to put pressure on them and not have them concentrate 100% yep. on being the best player you can be. I, I, think, I think it's going to be a problem in Chicago, too, too, by the way. I think it's going to be a problem in Chicago or Guam or the North Pole or wherever Caleb Williams would wind up, <laughs> but especially here in Washington, D.C. I, I, I'm with you on that. Thanks for the call, Paul. Appreciate you. Call back again uh, real soon. 301-230-0980 is normally the number on the Ace Law listener lines. Uh, we won't be able to take any more calls uh, just because of the show schedule, but let's grab Cliff. In uh, I should say after Cliff. Uh, let's grab Cliff as the last one, but just keep the uh, number always in mind. And the DOC coming up in for Hoffman afterwards. I'm sure I'd be taking your calls. What's up, Cliffy? How are you? Hey, that's blasphemy. That's blasphemy what y'all are talking about. 
I'm still going to give it the benefit of the doubt. Dwayne Haskins, God rest his soul, and Chase Young were poorly coached. I'm not going to say they were bust. They were poorly coached. But now, making that trade, as Stone Cold Steve Austin would say, somebody give me a hell to the no. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm trading for Justin Fields and, I'm, and I get to keep the number two pick, then what I'm going to do is if I get Justin Fields, Justin Fields without giving up that number two pick, the number two pick I'm going to use to get Joe Alt or that other left tackle out of Penn State. For sure, yeah. Then, then since we got two second-round picks, number 36 and number 40, I'm going to use the second, um, the first second round, which is number 36, I'm going to get hopefully my right tackle. And then number 40, providing if Strongberg goes back to center, I'm getting a left guard. Then somewhere in the late in the, uh, the late round, um, nobody. Cl- Cliff, about are you going to improve I'm... any other area besides the offensive line, or or no? Yeah, I am. We got nine picks, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we got nine picks. Okay. <laughs> So um okay. Well, I thought of, oh. I mean, um, I, you were just offensive line heavy, so I was just curious. No, I'm trying to protect my asset which is I Justin Field. I understand. <laughs> I understand. Okay. I understand. And, okay, I get my three offensive linemen. Yeah. Then I come back and I'm going to do a little bit of Uncle Mike Shanahan and them did. I'm going to surprise everybody and take the quarterback who beat both LSU and North Carolina. Jordan Travis out of undefeated Florida State. Then I'm going to start working on my defense. Mm. I'm not taking Jordan Travis until the late rounds. That's why I said late round. That's why I said. Well, I mean, and then you're going to start working on your defense, what, in the 12th round? No, <laughs> I'm just no. I'm just messing with you, Cliff. I'm just messing with you. I got to run. I appreciate it as always. I got I, I'm way late for the break, but I appreciate you as always. It's some interest again. I'm wholeheartedly in favor of improving the offensive line. I don't think it was as bad as everybody else made it out to be, but it needs improvement. I just don't know if I'm sinking every asset or every prime asset just strictly into the offensive line because even then, it still doesn't always work out. Look at what happened in New York. With the Giants, and that's the offensive line coach uh, here. All right, let's take a quick timeout for a final trending alert. And then Kristen Lapis, who is an Emmy Award filmmaker on Giannis, The Marvelous Journey, available now on Prime Video. All right, we told you last hour the college football playoff unanimously approving what they're calling a 5-plus-7 model for the new 12-team playoff, which will begin this upcoming year, 5 conference champions uh, from, you know, of course, the top five conferences, and then the next seven best teams will be a part of the 12-team dance to decide college football's national champions. Now, this just in, uh, two adults now have been charged with murder in the Chiefs Super Bowl parade, of course, that killed the radio DJ. The juveniles uh, were... um, charged earlier last week and they were detained on gun related and resisting arrest charges now both of the adults that were charged by prosecutors are currently hospitalized so we have a new development in terms of that and obviously police trying to bring 
uh, as many to justice. And a good job well done. 16 years in the NFL as a special team stud and ace. Matthew Slater, son of Jackie Slater, 10 Pro Bowl appearances, is announcing his retirement at the uh, after, again, 16 seasons in the NFL. And that's what's trending. All right, everybody, welcome back. Team 980, I'm Chris Russell. Good to have you with us. Joining us now on the BetQL guest hotline, available now from Prime Video, is the Emmy Award-winning filmmaker Kristen Lapis of Giannis, The Marvelous Journey. Of course, Giannis Attentacumpo, if I could say his name right, uh, the star of the Milwaukee Bucks. Hard name to, I just call him the Greek freak because that's easier, and Kristen Lapis is with us. Uh, and Kristen, you... Uh, of course, it's available right now on Amazon Prime Video. You you took on this journey, and I, you know, just doing a little bit of research. I mean, obviously, it makes sense. You grew up in a basketball family. Your dad, a college basketball coach. You grew up. You have a Greek heritage. So, it, really, the marriage here, if you will, of the subject and I guess the history and the background made perfect sense for you. Yeah, I mean, you, you do your best work when you're connected to the story. I always have said that. And when you're passionate about the subject. And for me, this was like a once in a lifetime passion project. Mm -hmm. As you mentioned, I'm Greek, first of all. Um, all of my grandparents were Greek immigrants that came over to America searching for that American dream. And I come from a basketball house. My my dad was a, a college coach. Uh, he coached at Villanova for nine years. Mm -hmm. And so again, like, you know, it was like my my passion and my culture. And everything was in that story with Giannis. And so when we started talking to him and his family, I feel like I was able to connect with them, um, maybe on a different level than somebody that didn't have all those kind of common um, interests and commonalities. I mean, obviously, I'm sure that had to help ease their, um, not burden, but maybe ease their their reluctance or their um, kind of opened certain paths maybe that because you could relate to them in different ways. When did you start the actual project? Was it after uh, they won the championship and, or was it before I, th that wasn't exactly clear because I haven't been able to see the series just yet. Yeah. So it was after they won the championship. Right. Um, thankfully there was um, there's a gentleman named Nick Monroe who is a camera person who followed Giannis from when he was drafted in 2013. Okay. He worked for the Milwaukee Bucks and he basically was able to capture from the draft through the championship. Oh, okay. And so him and I very, very closely. Um, that's why there's there you haven't seen it yet, but the wealth of archival, mm -hmm. people are like, oh my gosh, how do you have those that footage of him when he's 22 years old in the smoothie shop? Um, and that's all credit to Nick Monroe, who was really instrumental in putting this all together. But yeah, we came in after the championship. Um, and that's when I was, you know, sent to Greece to kind of pitch him on why he should tell his story now. Um, and, and that's where the process began. Kristen Lapis is with us, of course. Again, check it out right now. It's available now on Prime Video, Giannis, The Marvelous Journey. Um, so being that you came in after the championship, I, you, you know, I, I was kind of wondering, you know, maybe how you've seen his personality change just in the time that you worked together from then until now, because I mean, clearly 
we all know he's a star and we all know from the outside, it seems like he's a really good dude and a, a loving father and all that stuff. And again, it is marvelous journey is, is kind of perfect, but, but yet there's pressure on him and that has maybe, I don't want to say turned up the criticism a little bit. Have you seen him evolve change in any way, good or bad since you started working with him? I absolutely have seen him change. Um, he definitely ebbs and flows. It's really challenging doing, making a film on an active NBA superstar. Mm -hmm. Most people wait until their careers are over, right? Like right. Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, they, they tell the story, you know, 10, 20 years after the fact. Um, I think it's really fascinating to work with an active player because you are seeing them in real time kind of writing their history and like, mm -hmm. you don't know what's going to happen. And you're kind of having to like follow, you know, is he going to stay in Milwaukee? Is he going to go somewhere else? Are they going to win a championship? Oh, they're eliminated in the first round last year. Um, and so seeing his personality and his reaction to all of that in real time was, was fascinating. Um, you know, he has a great sense of humor, but he's also really philosophical and introspective. Mm -hmm. Um, He's so much like wiser than like the average 29 year old. I'm still like shocked whenever I talk to him that he's only 29 and he has three kids. Like he's just so wise beyond his years. And I did, I saw him evolve. Um, the criticism definitely gets to him. I mean, I don't want to give away anything in the movie, but at one point he actually considers walking away from basketball. Mm. And that's not just like, a, it wasn't just a passing thought. Like his whole family said, like they thought he was done. Um, and so the pressures they get to you. Yeah, for sure. Um, the one thing though, about Giannis is that because of how hard his upbringing was, and everybody saw this in the, the clip that went viral last year, um, in the press conference, there's no failure in sports. There's just steps to success. He, he does, he, he is able to keep things in perspective because of where he came from. And so maybe for somebody else that like is eliminated in the first round of the playoffs, it's like the end of the world. But for him, like he didn't know where his next meal was when he was growing up. So it just, it's all in perspective. And I think he has great perspective on life. Well, and, and I think, I think this is the fascinating part of this and connect, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I mean, this is not just, Hey, life of a multi-bazillionaire famous athlete. Who's just doing great things in the NBA. This is really, again, about connecting two different worlds, two different paths and the odyssey from mid first round pick. And like you said, Greece and a really tough upbringing into this world of stardom and pressure and fame. And yeah, maybe getting eliminated in the first round or even winning a championship doesn't mean as much based on what he's been through and what he's seen. He's a super competitive guy and I know he wants to win more titles, but I agree with you that for him, I think, you know, the fans and all the criticism and the, you know, the Stephen A. Smiths, like that part doesn't bother him right. because, because he's like, I just, it, again, he, he grew up as an undocumented immigrant right. on the streets of selling sunglasses, trying to make enough money to, to buy his family a loaf of bread. Mm. And, and like, that is the truth. And so again, when you come from that, it's all put into perspective. Um, we really chose to focus less on the basketball career and more on the family um, with films like this on superstars, you can take them in so many different right. directions. Right. 
and Giannis and I have said, he's like, Kristen's going to make the basketball movie, The Last Dance, in 15 years when my career's over. But for now, let's just focus on the family journey, the immigrant story. I think I think that's more interesting, even though his on-court or NBA personality and, and path is interesting. I think that's more interesting. Last thing for you, I know you got to run. How did you, how did you gain his trust? How did you get him and his family to open up? Really challenging. People think that it happens overnight. It absolutely doesn't. It is a process. Um, you know, this movie took years to make and it started with me going to Athens and sitting with him in a room and pitching him on why he should tell his story now and why I was the right person to trust with that. And from there, it just kind of evolved and evolved, you know, little things. Um, I'll never forget my, um, my mom made a tray of baklava, <laughs> the Greek pastry. And I, love, I brought it with me. I love baklava. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, he, so does he. And so I had my little lunch pail of my mom's baklava and I gave it to him and he was like, thank you so much. Like people don't do like, you know, yeah. when you're a star like that, it's like people throw money at you, but people right. forget the personal touches of like baking something. So it was little things like that, that I think right. connected with him and showed him that I'm also like a human being. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, and yeah, we kind of, you know, again, slow and steady, but in the end we ended up with six or seven hours of sit down interviews. And those were just him and I talking about everything in life <laughs> it was you know we, now, we, see if, we you made have, if you would have brought a tray of moussaka you would have maybe gotten 10 or 12 hours something like that <laughs> uh Kristen, thank you so much for joining us i really look forward to watching this it's available now uh on prime video Giannis: the marvelous journey uh it sounds awesome I i'm really happy to uh you know shine uh, the light on it a little bit because i think it'll be interesting for fans basketball fans and sports fans and people just to see how tough it was and the rise to stardom thank you so much appreciate it oh thank you for having me i hope people learn something <laughs> all right again that is emmy award filmmaker Kristen lapis Giannis: the marvelous journey Available now on Prime Video. Go check it out. Coming up, we put the icing on the cake. We do Dumb Dumb of the Day. This one might be the most disgusting Dumb Dumb of the Day that we've had in all the Dumb Dumbs of the Day. And we've had some disgusting ones. This one is going to be revolting. Just warning you up front. Next on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. All right, the DOC is in the house 10 uh, or so I mean, minutes away. Uh, it's Tuesday, man. It's in me. You know, I know tomorrow I know. is a big day. But I know. You disappointed Tuesday. me you weren't here at 1 o'clock. Actually, well, no, you, no, were, no, you were, no, you were, here. You were here. You I just weren't in here well, at 1 o'clock. Well, I've got another gig. Yeah, so I know. Me, yeah. I mean, you got to make more money. Well, that's part of the right. deal. I got to follow your footsteps. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm learning from I the mean, best. all these different jobs. Well, I mean, look at you out here uh, holding court, you know, for four hours before the show. I see you in the lunchroom with Anthony Haney. Well, I mean, he's, producer. you know, I mean, I don't get Did Haney, I mean, Haney makes I, a lot of money. Did he buy you lunch or, or did Yeah, he did. Yeah, he, he did. did. He, that's okay. part of the deal. Okay. They right. producers know. Yeah. If I'm working with you, it's going to cost you. 
Yeah. Other than Essex, Essex, I, it's reversed. Essex, you got to buy, buy lunch. Him. For yeah, him. Absolutely, absolutely. I got you. I got you. We have a special relationship. See, if the L train was your producer, uh, you'd have to he, buy him. He, well, he's broke. You know, meals for three hundred and sixty-five days. No, he's uh, broke. I wouldn't I mean, expect much. Exactly. Much out of him. How are you, Doc? All right. I'm good. Yeah. I just, you know, tomorrow. I'm disappointed. I heard it's not going to happen. I don't know if it's going to happen because he's scheduled to do overtime on the fan at 630. Sometimes he pulls a double dip, but I don't know. I mean, I I live one day at a time. I'm lucky to be here today, this moment now. Okay. And with you. Well, Tuesdays is special. I mean, everybody asked me, are you going to be with the rooster? I said, I'm going to be wherever they tell me to be. And today I'm in Hoffman. But I'll see the rooster, right. and I'll be by, and maybe they'll let me in before um, I get to Linnell's segment. Mm-hmm. You know, Tuesdays are special, too, because th- those are generally the worst traffic days around mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's going to take me an hour and a half to get to the gym tonight. So I'm going to be able to lock into the DOC. There's a gym here. Yeah, I don't. I pay for a gym, you know, near my house. You pay? Yeah. You can't get that sponsored? Do you need me to? Let me handle that. DOC. Do you know the answer to that? No, I don't. Can I get it sponsored? Yeah. You know Linnell Willingham. Uh, Matt, do you think I could get a gym membership sponsored? I mean, if there's improvement, I think there's a lot of gym. If there's a before and after improvement, I think there's a lot of gyms that would be down for Chris being sponsored, you know? You'd have to make make a challenge like he's done. You know, Linnell has said... He sent me a photo of somebody that may have looked like him many, many years ago. He says, I'm getting back to that form. What are we talking about? Like the guy looked like he was weighed about, about, yeah, about 215, mm-hmm. 210. I don't think it was him, but if somebody looked mm-hmm. like it maybe could have been him. I said, you'd have to be, he'd have to have contracted a yeah. disease. You know what he uh, quipped yesterday real quick as I was driving around listening to you and him? Mm-hmm. He said something about he would be a 26-year-old virgin if uh, if he hadn't made mistakes or something like that. You know, I, I make I make it very clear that when Nell does not talk about sports, I don't listen. <laughs> I just wanted to make it as uncomfortable as possible. No, I don't. I don't. Linnell <laughs> is good at a lot of things. I don't think romance would be one of them. <laughs> I don't think that'd be an area that I would consider him to have any experience at whatsoever. Oh All right, the DOC coming up next for yes, Craig sir. Hoffman just a couple of minutes away. Good to see you, Doc. All right, it is time. It is time. It's time for Dumb Dumb of the Day. Doc, wait till you hear this headline. Dateline Australia. Disturbed sister slept with her brother's rotting corpse for five years. Five years in a home that was described as quote unquote utter filth. She left her dead brother's body in a rat-infested house in Victoria, Australia. Apparently, one of the most affluent suburbs. Multiple complaints were made about the unwell woman, a known hoarder who kept piles of rubbish in and around her commissioned unit. Her brother went missing a number of years ago. 
But when the woman was arrested on unrelated matters, his bloody skeleton was removed from the stinking, rotten home. As well as the skeleton, officers found floor-to-ceiling rubbish, rats, dead possums, and human feces. What? They apparently went for a welfare check on a male resident, and that's how they discovered this uh, horrific scene. Uh, They went in, forensic specialists in biohazard suits. They retrieved what was left of the poor brother, who, again, had been dead for five years. The house sits on a property that's worth $1.1 million. I'm always more special. <laughs> what to make of dead of woman who is sleeping next to around with her brother's dead and rotten corpse? I've seen pictures of the house and of the scene. You don't want to be in this house, honey. You need to go to jail for a long time. Congratulations. You're Chris's dum-dum of the day. She has not been charged over the death of her brother. I don't know what happened to him. We don't know what's happened to him. We'll have to find out. The DOC with Anthony Haney up next in for Craig Hoffman. Make sure you lend them your ear. Thanks to Matt Essig on the other side of the glass. Thanks to you for being a part of the show. Back together tomorrow at 1. See you then. Adios. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.